What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A game that, that you have a play on, and I think probably shouldn't be the site of College Game Day because I think it would be cool to go to a place like Kansas. But regardless, they're at Old Rocky Top for College Game Day this week, and Pretty big number. I believe, Matt, this is the biggest favorite Tennessee has ever been in this rivalry. Ten and a half is widely available for the Vols. 62 and a half is the spread. A 330 Eastern kick on CBS. Florida at Tennessee. Florida after their impressive week one performance, Matt. Lost to Kentucky and held on for dear life against South Florida. So how do you look at this one with the Gators and Vols? Florida's 16-1 in the last 17 meetings in this series. And anytime I see a role reversal of uh, this magnitude, and this is a big-time role reversal, you're talking about a team, if you want to flip it, has lost 16 of the last 17 in the series and now is laying double digits for the first time since, did Brad Powers say 1978? Uh, I didn't hear him say that, but that sounds that sounds like a Powers-Zian uh statistic <laughs> <laughs> so uh 11 of those wins by florida in the last 17 by double digits now obviously there are reasons to be concerned i talked about this last week anytime you bet an underdog you're going to have a list of concerns sure anthony richardson and the passing game for the gators is a big concern uh it's it's crazy if you think about how florida opened the season with the win over utah at the swamp and there were people talking anthony richardson for heisman Mel Kuyper Jr. has Anthony Richardson ranked as his number four quarterback for the NFL draft. Wow. I have some news for you. He has yet to throw a touchdown pass this season. <laughs> he has zero TD passes, three tackles, and four interceptions. Not, not the stat line you want to see from your quarterback. No. And he was held to four yards rushing uh, the week before last against Texas. He's got 134 on the season. Uh, can the Gators get the passing game going? I'm not sure. There's some fundamental things I'm concerned about in this game. Hendon Hooker has been phenomenal for the Vols. If you go back to when he took over as starting quarterback, Timmy's got like 40 TD passes and three picks. It's sick. Uh, but I think the Gators 
are uh, going to be strong enough on the ground. They're going to be able to run the ball in this game and keep it within the number. The, the handicap to me comes down to an inflated number. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate that saying, we bet numbers, not teams, because I bet numbers and teams. You know, you, you're betting both. Yeah. And what I'm betting on here is a team that's historically been dominant in this series and getting an inflated number. And so I, I took 11 and a half at the South Point with uh, Tennessee. Right now it's, uh, you can find 11. You're 10 and a half. Uh, you can find 11 most of the week. Yeah. Now it's 10 and a half for 10. Here at Circa, it's 10. But it did top out at 11 and a half at South Point. I believe that was on Tuesday. And um, it's come down a little bit. But I think Tennessee's power rating is also a little bit inflated, Tim. If you go back to the Pitt game, Pitt was about to run away with that game before the pick in the end zone. It was going to be a 17-0 game. And instead it was 10-7. Before you knew it, and Keaton Slovis went down with an injury. If that doesn't happen, I don't think Tennessee wins that game. Its rating is not so high. I think this number's inflated. All right, so you're rocking with uh, the Gators taking the 10.5. You had 11.5, 10.5, maybe even 11 uh, available out there. I think you might still find 11 by tomorrow because there's going to be so much play on the favorite. You know, you don't want to panic if you right. miss a number because on Saturdays, these numbers move again. Well, and that's the thing, too. And, and you look at a lot of these splits that are put out there early on in the week. Um, a lot of the respected betters, right? They bet early. The recreational betters, when you get those lopsided ticket counts, they're firing on Saturdays. Yeah. And that's where I want to get to this next game. You know, to me, this is one of the most fascinating games of the weekend. I don't know if anyone will be able to watch it uh, because it's on the Pac-12 network. But a <laughs> 9:30 Eastern kickoff. You've got USC uh, red hot, three and zero against the spread against Oregon State. Now, I took the seven uh, earlier this week. You could have got as high as 12 and a half this week at wow. Caesars. That's crazy. Uh, which is crazy. We talk about circa. Uh, they open this game six and a half. Uh, it has never gotten north to seven here at Circa. And at time of record on Thursday afternoon, it is five and a half. And I'll tell you this. I was texting with uh, Chris Andrews, our good friend over mm-hmm. at the South Point, And he said early sharp money coming in on Oregon State. But he fully anticipates this is going to be a lopsided ticket count like it was last week in favor of USC, like it was two weeks ago against with USC and Stanford. And USC's 3-0 and ATS. They've covered every game by an average of 13 points. But I'll tell you this, Matt. Oregon State's also 3-0 ATS, covering by an average of 14.7 points per game. Look, this offense is absolutely phenomenal for USC, averaging over 50 points per game. Caleb Williams, 74% of his completion uh, completion percentage. Jordan Addison's got five touchdown receptions. Travis Dye is picking up, you know, where he left off at Oregon, averaging almost eight yards per carry. But the defense has a lot of questions. We brought this up last week. I didn't get to the window on Fresno State. I know you didn't either, uh, which was a good thing because Jake Hayner got hurt. But USC defensively, Matt, is allowing 380 yards per game, which is 82nd in the country. And they're allowing 5.2 yards per play. Listen to these juggernauts of offenses they've played. Rice, Stanford, Mm -hmm. and Logan Fife for the most part. Uh, with Fresno State. Now, the defense has been turning teams over like crazy. Ten turnovers. They haven't turned the ball over once. Um, Another little nugget that was pointed out earlier this week, I think, uh, I can't remember who pointed it out, so I apologize for not giving them full credit. But Jonathan Smith and Alex Grinch have faced each other quite a bit. Jonathan Smith was the offensive coordinator at Washington. Alex Grinch was the defensive coordinator at Washington State. Grinch now at USC. Jonathan Smith now the head coach at Washington. 
Over the three years they played each other, Washington put up 40 points in all three of those games, averaged over 450 yards per game in those games. So Jonathan Smith thrives in the role of as an underdog too. Uh, the Bear, Chris Felica, pointed this out on Twitter since 2019. The Beavers, 16-6 and ATS as an underdog, 10 outright wins. Uh, Luke Musgrave, the big tight end for Oregon State, remains sidelined, which is certainly a worry. As you mentioned, you're betting a dog. There's definitely worries to be had. Like I said, I grabbed the seven. Still sixes out there. I think a six and a half at time of record uh, over at the South Point. Curious to see what this does on Saturday because the public is absolutely going to fire at a favorite under a touchdown like USC. So I'm on Oregon State uh, at at seven, uh, six, six and a half is still available. Uh, how do you look at this game? I'm not mocking the betting public by saying this because uh, the public has got a lot of these games right. Yeah. And, and I think the, the percentage the public hits is always exaggerated when, uh, when commentators act like they lose all the time. I think the biggest mistake the betting public makes is parlaying a bunch of mm-hmm. games or teasing college football games Don't do and that, things please. like that. Uh, we're not m- managing your money uh, the right way. That's uh, a big mistake. But the betting public is going to be, you can write this down, Tim, and we knew this basically a couple weeks ago. The betting public is going to be on USC, Ohio State, and the Buffalo Bills every week. Fair. Every week. Yep. So uh, I'm not sure why I could slow those trains down. Even if the Trojans get upset in Corvallis, I, st- I still think the, uh, the public's going to end up riding USC pretty much every week. And all those offensive numbers you talked about are a little bit exaggerated because of the defensive scores USC's had, but the offense probably would have scored anyway if the d- defense didn't score. So uh, USC has played a schedule so far conducive to uh, putting up big offensive numbers. Now they're going to start playing teams that can actually uh, expose the defense. And uh, that's why I'm considering a play on the Beavers here. I don't have it as a best bet right now. I'm probably going to end up on this side. I hate it. The Luke Musgrave, one of the best tight yeah. ends in college football, is not going to be out there for Oregon State. I did the Pac-12 previews for the VSIN College Football Betting Guide, and I thought Oregon State's going to be a lot better than people think. You got eight starters back on defense. It's a veteran team. B.J. Baylor, the running back, was the stud on last year's team, and he was going to be missed. I think he just I'm, – I'm surprised – uh, he didn't get more of a look from the NFL. I think he just signed off, signed on with the Falcons practice squad last uh, week. B.J. Baylor rushed for 1,337 yards last the year. The kid Fenwick, though, has actually picked up and, yeah. and run pretty well this year, too. Running backs are replaceable. You can find guys. So Oregon State's offense has been a little bit better than I think than I expected it to be. I thought the defense was going to be elite. Mm-hmm. Might be, I thought, could be the They've second best. They've actually had a little trouble this year so far. So yeah, the Fres- that's my worry about this game, too. Well, yeah, the Fresno game especially. But that was one of those up-and-down games where it just seemed like whoever had the ball last was going to win. And that's actually what happened. That him. is exactly uh, what happened. When, when the clock ran out. Anyway, uh, this is going to be a game where USC's offensive firepower is going to be tested a little bit on the road against a sturdy defense. I like the dog here. I'm going to wait to see if I could get a better number than what's out there. I'm going to get seven. I don't know if I'm going to get it before kickoff, but I can live bet the game. I can do whatever I have to do. I'm going to try to get a better number. I just did not want to take less than seven here with uh, Oregon State. Yeah, and that is uh, that's a fair way to look at it. I was able to grab the seven. Wish I could have got the, uh, the 12 and a half at yeah. open uh, at Caesars. All right, a game uh, that you have interest in. Uh, let's head to Jerry's World, a great rivalry in the SEC 
Arkansas and Texas A&M. This game is a neutral site game at AT&T Stadium. Mm -hmm. Texas A&M coming off their win over Miami last week, 17-9. A total of 48.5, Matt. And Sam Pittman in a spot that he loves. He is an underdog here to Texas A&M, catching two against the Aggies. You know what concerns me a little bit? Everybody I've talked to this week likes Arkansas in this game. Everyone. Trendy dog? Even even the smartest guys I talked to this week are on Arkansas. <laughs> everybody, everybody likes Arkansas, and I do too. It's one of the first plays that jumped out at me this week. And, you know, A&M's offense has been anemic. That's no secret. Haynes King was not going to be the answer. Max Johnson, far from sensational when he stepped in last week against Miami. 10 for 20, 140 yards. Uh, in that game, AM was outgained by the Hurricanes 392 to 264. You know, it was 17 to 9. I don't think Texas AM really deserved to get the cover in that game, but it did just because. Also, one thing uh, you and I didn't know last week when we taped this podcast, or maybe we did. I can't remember if we talked about it. I think maybe we did know that morning. Xavier Restrepo, the top wide receiver for the Canes. I think you alluded to that. Was ruled out yeah. uh, last week. It was kind of a late week uh, news thing. He, he was uh, Tyler Van Dyke's roommate, is his roommate. And that was a big loss for the Miami offense in that game. But there were a lot of people. That was a popular public dog last week was Miami. And it didn't get there against A&M. This week, Arkansas is a hot dog. K.J. Jefferson. 70.5% completion, 770 yards. Raheem Sanders, 440 yards and 6.7 per carry on the ground. I don't think Arkansas is uh, going to be paralyzed by fear facing this Texas A&M defense. It's a legit defense, no doubt about it. you got a bunch of five-star guys over there in the front seven. But Arkansas can move the ball against these guys. The weakness for the Razorbacks, Tim, without a doubt, is pass defense. But can Texas A&M exploit that weakness? You would think probably not. Uh, so I still like Arkansas here. I was on the Hogs in this game last year. They were getting four and a half. This year they're getting two and a half. I'm going to play the Hogs again. I think uh, Sam Pittman's team is strong enough on the offensive line. They can run the ball well enough to get the win here. I what'd you say the total is? Forty-eight and a half. Forty-eight and a half. That seems a little bit high. It does. I mean Texas A&M. We've seen them so far this year. What's 14 points against App State, 17 last week against Miami. Right. So uh, we'll see uh, see what happens there. It's not the lowest total on the board. Uh, that would be Rutgers in Iowa, uh, which I believe is at 34 and a half. Absolutely fascinating game. It it's, is. It's tremendous. We're, gonna get, we're actually going to get to that. I put okay. that on the rundown here off the radar games. Last one here for the main course. You mentioned hot dogs. I don't know if a hot dog's a main course, but uh, the last one of this main course. Eight... <laughs> it is. I'm joking. On the George Foreman grill. At a... What? <laughs> Matt Humans, you fascinate me so All much. Right. All right, final game uh, here in our main course. Number five, Clemson on the road at number 21, Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest uh, needed to stop a two-point conversion against Liberty to hold on and beat uh, the Flames last week, 37-36, in a, in a clear uh, look-ahead spot. Uh, we talk about bet regrets. I pointed that game out. Did not play Liberty. Was very upset with myself seeing mm -hmm. that final score come across. So now you got Clemson and Wake Forest. Um, I, you know, you and I are, are similar to an extent where we don't love playing favorites. You know, favorites are, um, you know, usually you, you see a, a cheap favorite. You think it's an easy victory. <laughs> this is that spot. But I really have a hard time, Matt, 
envisioning how Wake Forest keeps this game close with the strength of this Clemson team being the defensive line. And then I think back to last year when Clemson was as gettable as maybe ever, two losses in conference play, three regular season losses. And what happened when Clemson played Wake Forest late in the season? Clemson beat them by three touchdowns. Uh, This was pointed out on Twitter Dave Clawson took over at Wake Forest in 2014. In the first quarter against Clemson since 2014, the Deeks have been outscored 100 to 10. And that lone touchdown came in 2014. Sounds like we should bet Clemson first quarter. It feels like it would be. First quarter, first half. Clemson, the the worries are offensively, obviously, yeah. with uh, with DJ there. Um, I think the offensive, the defensive line can, can take uh, Wake Forest to task. Uh, I did lay seven with Clemson. I don't love that this game has not moved off that number. It got to seven and a half at circa midweek, bought back right down. So I don't know if it'll be official best bet here on the podcast, but it's Clemson or pass. I personally have played Clemson at the seven, even though you'd think Wake Forest home dog would be right up our alley. Let's be real. This is going to be 50% at least Clemson fans in Winston-Salem on Saturday. Uh, no doubt about it. Now, actually, late last season's when that Clemson offense started to wake up, and that was after the Tigers failed to cover their first seven games last year. They caught Wake caught Clemson at a bad time when uh, the Tigers finally started to move the ball and score points. I, I only like three or four favorites on the card this week. Uh, I say four. I like four favorites on the card, and Clemson is one. I think this is a, a game where Clemson wins by double digits, and uh, – the defense is going to be the main reason why. And defense is probably going to create some opportunities for the offense in this game, too. I I still question whether DJ is going to be the long-term answer and I if agree. there's going to be a quarterback switch in the near future for the Tigers. But I do like Clemson in this game. The game that you do have a play on, and you mentioned the public is always going to side with USC, the Buffalo Bills, and the Ohio State Buckeyes, and Ohio State threw up a 77 spot yeah, uh, last Toledo. week against the uh, mighty Toledo Rockets. Uh, I found this interesting. Um, despite having less than 400 yards in week one, Ohio State is still leading the country mm-hmm. in yards per game. Granted, they just, I think, had 700-plus yards against uh You see a lot of phony numbers against Toledo. early no, in the season. It's, of- it's hard, <clears throat> Matt, to really put a lot of stock in these early season mm-hmm. numbers. You got to look at who teams have played. Uh, but Jackson Smith and Dig- Jigba did return. Uh, Fleming did return. Travion Henderson is still nicked up, though. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. So Ohio State in this spot uh, is uh, is laying a big old number right now 19. at time of record up to 19, Matt, yeah. on this spot. I, I didn't take the best number here. I took 18. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to take more at 19. If it gets to 20, I'll take a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, but not a big difference between 18 and 19, you would think. So I, I do have 18 with the Badgers. Tim, my handicap to this is very similar to the Notre Dame-Ohio State game when I took the, the points with the Irish. Took yeah, 17, 17 and a half with the Irish. And I said, on my numbers, I made that line 12 that week. Uh, guess what my numbers made the line this week in this game? 12. 12 and a half. There you go. So not far off. And yeah... I realize that early in the season, my numbers are not going to be as strong as they are later. So I don't, I'm not a prisoner of what I have down on paper necessarily. But I, I did think there was enough value here to play the Badgers. And I do think they're built uh, as the type of dog that can give the Buckeyes some trouble. Yeah, you look at those numbers, you referenced the uh, 
700 yards against Toledo. The Buckeyes are great at playing the bully role. Mm-hmm. They take these bad teams like they have the last couple of weeks in Arkansas State and Toledo, ro- roll up huge numbers, uh, you know, points per game, yards per game, stuff like that doesn't mean anything to me at this point. If you watched the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, the Irish were a little bit stronger, I thought, on the offensive and defensive lines. They were able to hold their own despite not getting much out of the quarterback that day. They, they hung in the game. Yeah. And not only hung in the, the game. Third quarter. Yeah, they led uh, in the second half, and we're in pretty good uh, position. With the Badgers here, you got two of the best running backs in the Big Ten, Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. Those guys have 485 yards combined. Graham Mertz off to a better start. He's gained some confidence here. 71% completions, which is unheard of for Graham Mertz. Six TDs, two picks, but that's against Illinois State, Washington State, and New Mexico State. So doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. I just think what the Buckeyes can do here when you uh, break down the fundamental matchup, I think they can run the ball on this Ohio State defense. Mertz just needs to make a couple of throws to, to prevent the Buckeyes from putting eight or nine guys in the box. Which is sometimes worrisome. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> As you That's said, when you bet a dog, yeah. there's always concerns. And Mertz would be that guy. But the Buckeyes or the Badgers are the type of physical team that can run the ball, that can give the Buckeyes some trouble because they can take the air out of the ball, kind of control the clock a little bit, keep that offense out of rhythm on the sideline like the Irish were able to yep. do at times in that game, and keep it within this huge number. I'm not talking about Wisconsin winning the game. I'm saying we're staying within 18, 19 points here. Uh, I like the Badgers. I think this number is inflated. Yeah, I think I'm I think, one of those idiots who's going to bet against Ohio State and USC too much, probably. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> look, I, I bet uh, we already talked about it. I'm on Oregon State, so uh, we could come back next week and they get lit <laughs> up by 30, and here we are again. Night game in Norman, uh, Kansas State. Uh, one of my uh, one of my best bets last week was Tulane. Thought this was a look ahead spot for K State. Didn't call. think didn't think they'd win outright, uh, and they sure did. Uh, Tulane's defense was able to bottle up. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, just 81 yards Man, on 20 surprising. carries. Adrian Martinez, they're they're afraid to let him throw the ball. But I do wonder, Matt, and I, I know the way you think, this could be that buy-low opportunity on Kansas State and even sell high on Oklahoma. What did people see last? Oklahoma thumps Nebraska. It's not even a, a close contest. Now you've got Oklahoma laying 12. The market has gone from 14 down to 12. K-State uh, a dog you like here? I do like K-State, and um, I have not played this one yet. I, I think you're going to be able to grab 13 again by tomorrow. When it was sitting at 12.5, I des- finally decided last night that I like this game. I was wavering on K-State early in the week. I was just The more you look at Adrian Martinez, you wonder if he can get it done. And uh, I thought with Chris Kleiman in a, in a new atmosphere, a change of scenery, new offense, that he was going to be better. He has really not been better. And uh, that loss to Tulane last week was very disappointing. When you've got Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, it should open things up. You should be able to throw the ball. I thought the Oklahoma offense for the first time this season exploded last week. Is that more of an indictment of the Nebraska defense? I mean, that's a home (laughs) dog. Nebraska was up 7-0 in that game. The Dylan Gabriel touchdown run. I mean, it was just like, excuse me. Oh, I'm just going to walk into the end zone. I mean, it was uh, was a great run, but it was – it was embarrassing tackling uh, by easy. Nebraska. Way too easy. And previous to that, the Oklahoma offense had not looked that good the previous week against Kent State. And uh, I, I I put recent series history as a priority when I handicapped this game because Chris Kleiman in three attempts against Oklahoma is 2-1. and one. He's been a dog all three times in the, in the loss. 
was last year, Tim, as a 12-and-a-half-point home dog. He lost by six. He actually beat Oklahoma 38-35 to on the road as a 27-point dog in 2020. <laughs> and he uh, beat Oklahoma as a 23-point dog at home, 48-41 to in 2019. That's pretty impressive. And I think a lot of times the K-State side is more dangerous as a dog anyway. And Oklahoma off the big win over Nebraska, where I think this number got a little bit inflated. I'm going to tell you, I made the number in this game. Uh, actually, I made the number 11, so it's not that inflated. But uh, I'll grab, Public's going to come in on Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll grab 13 tomorrow when I can get it with K-State. All right, that's another night game, a late-night game. You and I love these late-night games. Uh, head into Seattle, Washington, very impressive last week, covering the number, uh, almost a backdoor situation with Michigan State. Uh, for anyone who backed the Huskies, uh, you were fortunate. I laid the two early in the week uh, and uh, was very impressed by Washington. But this is uh, maybe a an opportunity to to sell a little high. Our good friend and colleague Wes Reynolds uh, wrote it up, vcin.com. He's taking the points with Stanford. I took a little crack at Stanford early on this week. I wouldn't say it was a, one of my favorite plays. I didn't write it up for the website, but took the 14, which is still available at, at multiple spots uh, around uh, town and, and across the country. Stanford at Washington here. Um, Washington, I took a... Matt, they do not play USC, and they do not play Utah this year. Right. So I took a 12-1 to 1 bite on them this week uh, at Caesars in town that they would just be here in Vegas, and then you can, if you're in a 12-1, to 1, you could, you know, hedge off uh, certainly with uh, with the other side. Michael Penix has looked really, really good in Kalen DeBoer's offense. Kalen DeBoer uh, just continues to excel wherever he goes, whether it be Eastern Michigan, Fresno, Indiana, back to Fresno now as the head coach of Washington. But is this too much on Washington to be laying 14 at some spots against Stanford? Give me the Stanford and the 14 points. Uh, I'm taking it here. In fact, I, had a, I made a small bet early in the week. I'm plus 13. So I'll, I'll bet more here on plus 14. In 2020, Stanford was a 12-and-a-half-point dog in Seattle and won that game 31-26. to 26. Now, this is a different story with Kalen DeBoer as head coach. Obviously, much better situation for Washington. He was a great hire. Michael Penix has got 1,079 passing yards, 10-to-1 TD to INT ratio so far. And uh, this Huskies team is going to be better than I thought in the preseason, even though I did like the DeBoer hire. I wasn't sure if Penix was going to – going to take off in the offense this quickly, but he has. I really like the Tanner McKee-EJ Smith combo for Stanford. And don't forget, in that 41-28 loss to USC, Stanford coughed up two fumbles inside the 10-yard line. Yep. And also the Cardinal have had two weeks off to prep for this game, Tim, yep, which I also like. That's another angle I like here. They had a bye last week, two weeks to prep for this Washington game. Huskies off a uh, big win over Michigan State. I think the situation, the matchup, uh, both set up pretty well for uh, Stanford. A game that might be uh, considered a trendy dog. I've seen a lot of people uh, take it. I-, I just think situationally, what does Appalachian State have left in the tank, oh, Matt? Man. My goodness. 63-61 uh, marathon against North Carolina in on Labor Day weekend. They lose. They go to Texas A&M. They bully a top 10 team in Texas A&M. They come back home. College game day is their reward. Mm-hmm. They win on a Hail Mary against Troy. They oh, rush Lord. the field. What is left in the tank for App State? James Madison, a lot of people didn't know what to expect this year. They lost a lot of talent. 
from an FCS team that was the runner-up to North Dakota State last year. All they did, Matt, week one was go out as a five-point favorite and beat Middle Tennessee by 37. Middle Tennessee followed that up with a 15-point win as a 14-point underdog against Colorado State. Now, Colorado State, not very good. However, uh, James Madison coming off a bye, App State, three emotionally charged games, back-to-back-to-back. I took the seven and a half earlier this week. I wrote it up for the website. I took the seven with James Madison. Maybe it's a trendy dog. Maybe they're not ready to uh, face the elite of the elite in the Sun Belt, which App State is a uh, a top tier Sun Belt program. But I think situationally, it's James Madison here. So uh, I'll take the seven with the Dukes here in this spot. It's the situational spot of the week, Tim. Yeah. It is. And uh, James Madison's becoming a very popular play with a lot of people, and uh, I'm going to be on this too. I think you talked me into it. Uh, you and uh, Doug Kazarian from ESPN. Doug's playing a dog? He's playing a dog. Wow. Uh, I don't know what to think about that. I know. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> uh, you but mentioned – Anyway, this, yeah. this is a great situational spot. And this is a pretty good James Madison team yeah. off two blowout wins. And uh, the App State Hail Mary, for those who might be too young to remember – it was a lot like the Billy White Shoes, Johnson, Hail Mary, in the Falcons 49ers game in the early 80s. Have you ever seen the highlights? I have seen that, yeah. He catches a ball at like the five-yard line and has to run it. Yeah. That, that's what the App State thing, Steve Fezzik mentioned that on Twitter last week, and it reminded me of that. That was a, that was a classic. you, you got to wonder, like you said, what are the Mountaineers having to tank after uh, three crazy games like that, Tim? All right, my last, uh, last game, my last play, I'm taking the points with Southern Miss uh, I had Tulane last week. Now Tulane laying 13. Situational spot. This is a rivalry, but Tulane uh, opens AAC play, uh, Matt, next week on a Friday at Houston. Uh, Tulane feeling themselves, certainly after an impressive win against Kansas State. There's uh, there's familiarity. Uh, mm-hmm. Southern Miss's head coach uh, is uh, was the former OC at, at – um, at uh, Tulane when these two teams last played. Uh, and uh, I think Hall, uh, Will Hall, the Southern Miss head coach, uh, will have some things up his sleeves. Uh, a little surprised that Ty Keyes has lost the starting role, but they're rolling with a true freshman. But uh, Ty Keyes is expected to play. They have a good running back in Frank Gore Jr. I think Southern Miss yeah. keeps this game close. Uh, I'll take the 13 uh, with the Golden Eagles in a rivalry game. It's the battle for the bell, Matt. The battle for the bell between these uh, between these two teams. All right, that's going to do it uh, for us. Let's uh, wrap up the show like we always do with our Best Bets Recap. Best Bet Recap. All right, Matt, I'll roll through mine real quick. Uh, as just mentioned, Southern Miss plus the 13 on the road at Tulane. Uh, earlier this week, I took Oregon State plus the 7. Uh, can I still get it here? I mentioned it on my show. Is it, is it allowed? Get, might be able to get it by tomorrow. All so right, let's say so, I'm, I'm going to have a same play. So let's put a qualifier on this. Uh, Oregon State is a play at plus 7. All right. James okay. Madison plus the 7. And then uh, I'll lay the chalk. I'll lay the seven with Clemson. So those are my four plays. Southern Miss plus 13, Oregon State plus seven, JMU plus seven, and Clemson minus seven. Matt, your plays officially are? Uh, Florida plus 11, Arkansas plus two and a half, K-State at 13 or better. You got to get at least 13 in that one. Stanford at plus 14. And uh, I did not get the best number here, so I'll, I'll play it at the number I bet it. Whiskey, plus 18 against Ohio State. And also that Oregon State play, 
is a conditional bet if he can get seven the beavers are a play and then adam burke uh is riding with texas laying the chalk so a little bit different than us uh, he laid six and a half uh earlier this week akron liberty under 57 uh liberty will be without their uh Backup quarterback who's taken over the starter role. He's laying the three with Marshall and then laying 12 with Memphis against North Texas. Marshall is playing Troy.